Hi, folks. Welcome back to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, featuring distinctly qualified global change makers that are dedicated to creating a healthier planet. My name is Julian Guderlai. I'm committed to a world that allows people from all walks of life to thrive. And today's episode is part of the Design Science Studio series, a collaboration with the Buckminster Fuller Institute. And my guest is Brett Warshawski. Welcome, Brett. Hey. Hey, hey. Brett is a concept architect, has spent the past 10 years deeply immersed in embodied research, design and development of disruptive stories, realities, social architectures, and social technologies. So I'm stoked for this conversation and uh, dive a bit deeper into our shared time in the Design Science Studio. Right on. Thank you for having me, Julian. Super great to uh, officially speak to you. We've crossed paths here and there, so this is wonderful to have our first conversation. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's awesome to have, have it uh, a recorded one too. Um, <laughs> hey, Brett. So you know, let me maybe um, let me maybe start at the beginning of the Design Science Studio. How did that show up for you? And like, what was intriguing for you to say the Bucky Fuller Institute is hosting something called the Design Science Studio? It's it's a whole design decade, kind of like what Buckminster Fuller envisioned himself. Um, what made you say yes? And 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 you know, give us some of the insights. Yeah. So. You know, I made a new friend named Nicholas, who we, we both know, who's one of the leaders of the of the cohort there at the studio. And uh, I met him over the summer through a mutual acquaintance. And, and I mentioned to him, yeah, I'm looking for some, some experts in um, AR and alternate reality games. And all of a sudden, this guy, Nicholas, was like, yeah, I made a movie, like one of the first crowdsourced movies. It had an ARG, com- alternate reality game component. And he started telling me his base, you know, his resume in a friendly way. And I was like, holy cow, like this is the exact kind of like mentorship slash information I needed as I was setting out with this new idea called Togetherland, which we'll get into. So um, he saw he saw my slides for Togetherland that I was working on. He said, you really would love to be part of the studio. I hope you can get in. Let me let me see if we can make that happen. And he, he uh, messaged Roxy, who's also one of the other co-hosts. Um, and I got the invitation. So I was super uh, thrilled to be part of it. Um, my nickname in my in my world is R. Brett Minster Full of It um, in homage <laughs> to, to Bucky Fuller. So my name's Brett and I went with Brett Minster Full of It because I'm always kind of impulsive and optimistic and kind of head up with energy. So that's one of my favorite creations actually. So I'm a big fan of, of, of Bucky Fuller. Um, I haven't honestly read all of his books. I can't actually understand a lot of them, but I've had a, I've always had a really deep um, kinship with his spirit, I would say, like reading about his life process and some of his characteristics and, and being ahead of his time and some of his depression that he went through in some of Bucky's story. So I've always felt a real kinship with him and that me and my friends were sort of carrying some of that baton of people like himself and Barbara Marks Hubbard, who we work with, and some of the pioneers from the you know 40s, 50s, 60s onward. So I had a real kinship with him. So being invited into anything to do with Bucky Fuller and uh, people that were on the same wavelength, I guess I had the inkling it was going to be great being around people who also loved Bucky and thought the same way and had the same feelings and, and, and intentions and visions. And I have to say, I was not disappointed in that. Like being in the studio where people are quoting Bucky and talking about synergy and really on the same path so to say has been that's been the the most exciting part is being part of the community mm. of 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 a of a mind of the noospheric kind of intentional space that everyone is holding in that space whether they're sculptors painters 
systems theorist, it doesn't matter. Everyone's vibing on the world working for, for all beings and synergy and, and creating new models that make the other ones obsolete. So that's how yeah, I am. Beautiful that you're mentioning that, Brad, because that is one of the kind of uh, core feelings that I got from that experience myself. And, and, you know, that's kind of made me think that this is a whole design science decade. Um, even though I was part of the first cohort, I already feel like this is a decade long kind of endeavor that unites a whole tribe of people that just really, um, yeah, maybe, you know, in, in your words, I think this is kind of the tagline of Togetherland, right? Is like a care first world. Yeah. I mean, I got the chills when you were talking just to share, like, how real it is for me when you talked about the decade and the convergence of people and the coming together. I mean, synergy is the coming together of, I say, apparently different parts to create a greater whole compared to just separate parts. Um, so that rings true for me. I mean, that's why I got the chills. I mean, other people might laugh, but I, I really, I really feel that. And I hadn't been aware of Bucky's idea of the design decade in the five, there's two, five two-year segments. So when I came across that through the Design Science Studio, I was really uh, stoked about that. And I like the idea of the long-term and having a whole decade um, to roll out a lot of initiatives and the, that coming together. So that is really important. It's really important for more and more people to keep coming together. And I can see this Design Science Studio really being a beacon and what they some people might call a strange attractor, like a gravitational pull for a lot of people into being able to be a point of attraction for people to come along and continue signing up for these cohorts and continue coming together to see this community grow and grow and grow. Yeah, I love that you're, you're pointing at that as well, because it really, I mean, that is the invitation for anyone listening is like, ch check it out. And if it resonates with your artistic soul, with your creation in the world, with your visionary soul, then apply and, and apply yourself, right? Um, I think for these transformational kind of uh, movements and shifts from the world that we know into a world that, you know, um, works for everyone and, and maybe a little disclaimer there, that doesn't mean we necessarily know what the world that works for everyone uh, has to look like. But what I've come to understand is that when our commitment to that direction is strong, um, we start receiving hints and synchronicities and ideas and concepts and, and learn, you know, how to make space for that rather than figuring it out, kind of like the reductionist scientific model that just like has to know everything before it says yes to it. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's creating the space for it. It's almost like ontological design in itself is creating the space for this state of being first to then say, okay, now that we're in this state of being and meeting as you know, it's a very global cohort too. I think we've had people from multiple different countries, multiple different backgrounds mm -hmm. um, and, and, and more so as, as the years go on, what, what do you, you know, what do you have as like maybe an anecdote or two that you've experienced in, in that cohort where you're like, this was just rad. I'm so glad I was in that session or I'm so glad I met this person or I got so inspired. I'm, I'm always curious to hear different people's uh, insights. Right on. Um, I'm just going to step back for 20 seconds and respond to the fact that you mentioned a care first world. And the reason I'm, I'm doing that is because for me, it, it relates to the ontological foundation that we're talking about here and creating that space and really inverting our paradigm where we're so used to 
producing things. Like the output is the most important thing. The objects or the materials are the most important. What are you producing seems to be far more important over the last hundred years than how are the people that are producing it doing? How is their welfare? How is their lively, their being and their coherence? And that's why I, my wife and I and our friends, we use this idea of a, a care first world, or we say life is the bottom line instead of, or unified bottom line compared to people, planet, prosper and all that kind of stuff. So it's important to me to create that space, to be part of that space, to create the fertile soil for the possibilities to, to, to grow and be cultivated and nourished in based on a single premise that when people are nourished, when they are happy, when they are coherent, when they are loved, they will actually then go on to produce the products, goods, and services that the world benefits from, but they're doing it from a care first perspective. And we're never, the bottom line is never going to be the numbers or the products. The bottom line is care. And from that perspective, we, we can find really magnificence and magic. So uh, I just wanted to share that in response to the care first and, and how it does relate to the space that's being created, I believe, in the design science studio, which I don't mean to sound wooey or, or mushy, but it's a place of love. And it's it's love in action if we want to be more you know, precise or so we don't leave out that masculine type thing. It's love in action. Um, as far as my yeah, experiences... Well yeah, thank you. My my favorite experience is a little bit biased or selfish, so to say, is when I came across a woman named Ada. I don't know if I'm actually pronouncing, I keep getting her name wrong, Paris. She's out of the UK and she wrote this article called Escaping Plato's Cave. And she was talking about how technology, the etymology of the word technology really is more vast than what we're used to and that there's different types of technologies. And that was personally sort of an affirmation for me coming with this idea of Togetherland, which includes something I call transmedium production compared to transmedia, because I like to redefine things and put names to things. So with transmedia, we're used to thinking about internet technologies and blogs and social media. And I was thinking of the actual word medium and what a medium is and how artists use mediums and that governance is a medium, for example, or physics is a medium, consciousness is a medium that if we expand the idea of mediums and media we want to be transmedium <laughs> we want to combine all of these different mediums and disciplines and things into this synergistic thing because what in the world will emerge as a greater whole when you're talking about combining consciousness and spirituality and love and permaculture and nanotechnology and robotics and ai all those things in a, a soup container together so finding kinship with people like her and reading the articles and hearing people talk has been a totally rad experience to again be among kin and and on the note of transmedium it's rad seeing all the different mediums in the design science studio this is not just about a bunch of people again who are only like working in the internet sector or the blogging sector these are people who are painters poets politicians, perma, I mean, every medium, using my, my word, of course, is represented in the design science studio, and nothing could be more holistic and synergistic than having all of those things available. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, obviously, there was 144 of us, so there, there is still a lot more diversity and perspectives to add, but I think you got to start somewhere, and that's really something that successfully happened there from my perspective as well. And uh, Brett, I just pulled up the etymology of the word technology, and it, it it roughly goes into the word techne, which is you know 
uh, Greek and the word logos and logos means word or the, the utterance inward thought expresses a saying or expression. So as we have word and expression there and techne originally means art, skill, craft or a manner or means of things which is probably more so how we understand it now, a manner of means of things that is like a systematic treatment, right? Which is a more, a more modern um, etymology of the word. But originally it included art, craft, uh, different ways, different manners and means. And so that's a very, I fully feel you there. That's a very exciting kind of perspective to look at our technology today um, rather than just these means to create more structure. Yeah. And the plain fact is there are spiritual technologies, there are emotional technologies, there are physical technologies. So yeah. expanding our perception and re remembering, as you're saying, what technology can mean is quite exciting and also obviously going in the other direction of reductionism and objectification only, materialism only. So. I, I mean, I mean, that's the game for me. I mean, I'm excited about, I'm quite non-dual, so to say, in my perspective and thinking how to bring that understanding and that experience into my world and into my innovations and things like that. Yeah, and I would say that's one of the evolutionary currents that we we really um, highlighted during this Design Science Studio uh, experience in our first, in, in the first cohort, right? That like, the reductionist and scientific world has its place and brought us to where we are. And there are elements of it that will continue to be valid, but making this the one operating system. Um, well, for one, it doesn't work. It's clearly created a lot of, you know, materialistic pursuit and, and therefore pollution and therefore all kinds of like uh, experience of separation. But, but two, just like you would update the operating system of your iPhone or of your, 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 your Android phone or whatever, we have to update the operating system of our species, of our society on ongoingly because culture is something that we live. It's not something that we just look back onto. Absolutely. I'd love to have a part two someday just so we can go for a full hour, literally just on this topic of updating the OS and scientism. Yeah, feel free to dive in though. <laughs> it's a big subject for me, actually. I've been really into it the last couple of months, especially like, to be fair, the most interesting and important thing is the integration for me of the different worldviews or the different disciplines. It's just, for me, it's been so lacking. The, the feminine spirituality, I use the word openly, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, we all have different definitions for that word. Um, awareness, consciousness, infinite awareness, et cetera, et cetera. But scientists, to some degree, may be the last people to the party. <laughs> because of the dogma that that has become science. So science is beautiful as a framework. It's a process of hypotheses, testing, getting feedback, and kind of adjusting. Scientists are full of dogma, like science institutions are full of dogma. That, but science is a beautiful paradigm. You know, it's a beautiful tool, toolkit to have. It's just Absolutely. gone. For me, it's gone. It's as the famous saying goes: the map has become confused with the territory. Um, and people have forgotten that theories and our insights, as David Bohm said, he has a beautiful naming. I wish I could just kind of recount it for, for all the listeners, but in the opening of his uh, Wholeness in the Implicate Order, he, he talks about how the word hypothesis and comes from insight and really they're only ways of temporary looking at something. And then there's a little bit of a red herring in science when we say, look at all that science has done. Yes. And 
the fact that we can build better tools and go to Mars and build things doesn't necessarily mean we've aced the test. <laughs> um, science is, you know, the science has proven to be a good way of manipulating what we consider to be matter. Um, and no one would want to get rid of that. As we say, like non-duality or spirit is not dismissive of science. It's just everyone knowing the place. And as you've said, science has become, as far as I'm concerned, the actual secular new religion. Um, and I think the new breed of scientist, mystic, <laughs> co-creator that we're all evolutionaries, I mean, to keep it more simple, are really holistic, you know, integral type people. So that's the most exciting yeah. thing there is no i love how you how you put this brett and i think there's like you know just to, to play to play around with these terms a little bit so in other words what i'm trying to say is you know when as you said earlier scientism that is where the i believe in science really starts happening is when we make mm. it a new belief system or religion but i think science as a proving mechanism in the framework has a fantastic place in our society also for the future but to make it something that i need to trust without experiencing it um blindly that that makes almost no sense because science itself is always born on a hypothesis right and um based on that hypothesis we then go through the proving uh proving steps and so it's it's obviously like a very deep topic i agree with you on that and it's obviously something where currently especially in the world's pandemic situation um a lot of uh, shaming blaming and guilting is happening and we want to stay away from that in this episode so maybe we we move a little forward into um you know, introducing the next stage of, you know, social togetherness, the way that you frame it with um, Togetherland. And, you know, I know you told me earlier that you got inspired by a, a scene in a movie called Tomorrowland. And um, from there, you kind of created this mission to lead like a revolution of consciousness where we, you know, have like, as you said earlier, vast and diverse areas of mediums, technologies, and disciplines. I'm really curious to hear more about Togetherland and how people who are listening can partake. Yeah, right on. So last year I was watching the last three minutes of a 2015 movie called Tomorrowland. Um, not a huge fan of the movie, but in the last three minutes, there's this, to me, this beautiful scene um, where the the children, the the movie ends on a beautiful note, like the bad guys and the good guys win. And it's about these children going back through this portal with these tokens for something called Tomorrowland. And Tomorrowland's kind of a place where the question was, what if all of the scientists and artists and mystics and lovers and humanitarians could get together and create the world they dreamed of without bureaucracy, <laughs> without greed, you know, without limitations in those kind of ways. Um, so these kids go through this portal and they start finding people that haven't given up because they're the future as the, the tagline in the film. And what you see is this final beautiful three minutes of people from all different disciplines, 3D printing, someone saving animals, a ballet dancer, a scientist, um, a chemist, and there's different color, uh, different races, different colors, different genders. And they're all in this beautiful you know, montage with music. And they're all given these tokens for Tomorrowland, like secretly they plop out and into their folder under their desk and they're all reaching for this token. And when they all, touch the token, they all wake up in this cornfield of all things. Think of a crop circle, probably, if I was going to go into the symbolism. They wake up in this cornfield altogether, and they look up and they see each other above the above the cornfield. And in the background is this kind of futuristic built thing called Togetherland, so to say, I mean, Tomorrowland, so to say. Um, so I just love those three minutes. And um, 
for the past eight years, I've been working on a lot of things like social design, systems design, social architecture, software design for whole systems thinking and for a co-creation platform. Um, so this idea of synergizing things and co-creating with different mediums and different sectors and different disciplines has been in my space for eight or nine years now as I've been traveling the planet, learning about these things with my little team and family and, and working on our own designs for a vehicle, so to say, for a new reality. How would you create a new reality? Uh, not just a new internet or a new education system, but a new world. You would need all of these different things to be working together, education, justice, economics, spirituality, relations, community, you know, these kind of different sectors would have to all be working in unison, so to say. Um, so since I've been doing that, and it was called the Together Life System, and then I watched a movie Tomorrowland, I thought to myself, wow, what if I could make a sequel to these last three minutes, but it wasn't just a movie on a two-dimensional screen? What if it was a real-life movie, interactive, immersive, gamification, a story that we were all co-creating, where, where both the audience and we're the participants. There's things called alternate reality games that are popular. So I thought I want to create an infinite reality game. Obviously, I love new words <laughs> and new ideas. Um, so Togetherland is really my deepest passion. I never really expected to be creating systems and softwares. <laughs> I wanted to be a filmmaker 25 years ago, and then I had a mental health uh, crisis or breakthrough, depending how you want to say it, in my 20s. And the last 10 years, as I've been doing all this work. And I was like, I want to get back to this. I want to tell stories and I want to create ex like a production experience. And But an IMAX theater is not big enough for, for our premise. They're full of it, you know? Like, a theater is not enough. I want, to, I, want to, I want to have fun. And I thought, I love filmmaking, but it feels like antiquated, so to say. So I came up with a couple of terms like transmedia and production, like I've said, and regenerative filmmaking and XRI instead of just extended reality, infinite reality. So those three major concepts inform this idea of Togetherland, this interactive immersive thing that's happening around the planet where people are actually creating the new solutions and living the story compared to being storytellers, they're being story livers. And, and, and could it be possible to rebrand Earth, so to say, <laughs> as Togetherland, as this place where the, the main thrust is to be happy and nourished and to bring all of your gifts and to become self-realized and to fulfill your potential and find your gifts and togetherland is my way of framing that i would say again as a concept architect it's not about any particular story or any particular movie or documentary or activism event it's how all of those things could be the scenes of some kind of grand multi-dimensional movie. And the last thing I'll share is a couple of memes that I think help communicate this because it's a very big uh, idea, obviously. One yeah. is going from one is going from special effects to social effects, and one is going from prop house to innovation house. So if you take a movie like The Avengers, they spend $500 million to build a sort of illusory, you know, fantastic world that you ha you get to experience in a theater for two hours and then maybe you can buy a t-shirt or some toys or dvd so what's left over it's quite extractive so to say it's quite limited and quite wasteful i would say from a regenerative paradigm perspective i wouldn't dismiss it and say it's bad i'm just saying i think we can do more i think we can do better so some special effects the social effects means why don't we take that 500 million dollars and build a thousand villages with 
regenerative technologies and growing food where the people live, there's a hundred people on all thousand villages and we demonstrate all of these new solutions and we interconnect those sets and locations. And now you have an interactive story. So when people see like a Netflix series about one of those locations for Togetherland, they don't just go home and say, wow, that was nice. They actually can ring us up, maybe get a token and come and live on one of those sets, quote unquote. So it's a living dynamic movie in that sense. So I know it's still big ideas, but that's some of I like it, the, right? gen I, the genesis I of it. I think the genesis has to be a little bit wild like that. And I, I also enjoy how you, you tied in, uh, you know, where we just kind of ventured out into like science and reductionism and how this is just an evolutionary step, because ultimately what we really require is a, a world, a paradigm that invites all of the different facets to work in collaboration rather than in a kind of a dominate, dominating hierarchy where, you know, one ism uh, has power over another, but where we really understand the full capacity of what it means to be a free, self-sovereign human being in, in a collective of many. Um, very exciting what you're inviting into. And I like how you're framing, you know, your, your own idea more so as a concept architect inviting into the space, because that's really what happened in the Design Science Studio from my perspective is this, this big invitation to have different artists, different scientists, different um, creators join together and understand what is the direction that we're dreaming this planet Earth to be. Mm. Yeah, I love it. I mean, for me, for me, for my, again, from my bias point of view, it's like, this is the production house. You know, if I use the movie, the movie uh, uh, metaphor, it's like, here's all the, the, the filmmakers and the actors and the costume designers and the editors and the cinematographers. But instead of just those limited roles, it's all of, like you're saying, all of these different artists and specialists coming together and really they're kind of working on some kind of emergent, you know, that's what emergence is about really in synergy. It's something greater than and unpredictable from the sum of the parts. So I get this sense like you were saying, uncertainty, emergence, we're all really into emergence. And it comes from science and systems theory and complexity theory. This is not, which is the beautiful thing. So not just talking like what would be called new age stuff or law of attraction only or woo-woo. Like this is actually the most cutting edge new sciences that we're all talking about. Co-creation itself, I believe, 100%. is about this is interconnection. To add to your point there, this is the important part is to to bring the kind of the multidimensional, the esoteric, what formerly was woo-woo, to bring it down into the shared space here on earth where we understand, okay, some of this might remain in the esoteric and woo-woo and we can maybe leave it behind. But other parts of this are allowing us for hypotheses of the future world we're actually moving into because the world as it's laid out for us right now, I mean, you know, a lot of the mechanisms and systems we've inherited from uh, previous generations, if they were to actually solve world hunger, if they were to actually solve um, the situation of, of, you know, pollution and, and you know, the, um, the whole industrial age kind of endeavor of creating more production factors out of human beings, if there was actually like a well-being for everyone included, then maybe we were at this final point. But there is no final point really in our evolution. It's an, a never-ending story that, that only has the direction of going forward. And so, I think we really require to to embrace that which is groundable, which is which is really able to be experienced and tactile. Um, but just like art, you don't need to know what you're painting. You can actually start painting and the seed emerge on your canvas. Mm. Yeah, no, I love that. I mean, Jose Arguelles is a, a famous 
man who worked on the mind calendars had this saying, I don't know if it was his or I think he coined it, which is time is art um, compared to time is money. And I think of that a lot. Like what would a world be like if time was art? Um, and I love the way you frame that. Is it, it's just the truth. It's the truth. The evolutionary people or co-creators that I spend time with in the cohort and otherwise, we really get the sense that we're painting something to use that metaphor and we don't know exactly what it is and that's okay, which in an older paradigm or other belief systems is not okay <laughs> to not know what you're, <laughs> what you're painting or to not be able to sit with emergence or the wildness of, of of emergence and that's a, that's one of the key psychological shifts that is part of this paradigm shift and as we started out the conversation with i'm quite convinced you know i'll use that term like loosely rather than conclusive like i'm conclusive but i'm quite convinced this whatever's happening is fundamentally founded on a consciousness shift a mind shift more than any objective systems shift because i think you probably would confirm this to some degree there's we're all around geniuses everywhere like people have so there's already actually a lot of solutions to things like hunger and all that with 3d printing and aquaponics and all this sort of stuff that have been around for 50 years so there's no no there's no scarcity of actual solutions or people that have solutions that's like everywhere at least in my world because i guess i like to be around pioneers and, and innovators but it's clear to me there's plenty of solutions and plenty of genius around the hardest part has been people learning to listen to each other to be quite honest in co-creation like we've been specializing in this idea of co-creation in my space that's the mind shift the hardest beat is like people listening to each other doing their own personal evolution and then group evolution and being able to receive each other and give feedback in a positive way and get along, right? The simple things that we always talk about are the famous saying, if we just did what we knew in kindergarten. Um, so the biggest revolution, uh, as we might all imagine, ironically or paradoxically, the biggest revolution is going to be uh, learning how to get along in order to, in order to provide the, again, that soil for the garden to grow. Yeah, how how to get along on a planet where we're actually all one from a both spiritual perspective, but also from a molecular perspective. If we just zoom out far enough, right? Once we see ourselves from outer space, we're sharing this this biosphere, and as we're sharing this biosphere, the ecology within this biosphere, the way everything interrelates with each other, is extremely important. And I think this, you know, in terms of like solving world hunger, just because we we use it as an example. I think what comes up for me very like consistently in these contexts is the problem is that we're trying to solve something in the first place. What I'm trying to say in other words is that us looking for solutions is, is part of really the, the existential problem here. Because with that, we're coming back to this reductionist approach of finding solutions that we need to think through and plan them through as if this is a mechanic world, a world of, you know, um, yeah, of just like rational kind of squares and boxes rather than understanding that our mindset, our philosophy wants to be one of solutionism, one where a better way of living is always possible. And once we approach the world with that kind of solutionism mindset and help others to kind of arrive in this philosophy that 
growth mindset will lead to planetary change and positive planetary change. But we don't have to have the solutions for every step of this planetary change. This is why I believe the word emergence is so important because once we put life at the center of what we're doing and we're allowing for life to look different in different places, just like life in the natural world looks different in different places. And just like we humans look and appear and perceive different in different places, the diversity of our species and the ingenuity that you mentioned earlier of our species can take over to create this positive planetary change. Now that can't happen if we're just here to try to fix and solve things, which I think is this classic patriarchal, super masculine um, approach, right? And so, yeah, I loved our, our little philosophical exploration here, uh, Brett. I, I know we could you know, go on and on and on about different, different ideas, but I wanna bring the circle back to the Design Science Studio one more time and um, maybe you know, bring up another, another word that really, uh, you know, one of the many words that were born in this kind of uh, dictionary around the design science studio, which is inactive environments. Because when you talk about togetherland, what I'm hearing you speak about is environments that are designed for learning, for interaction, for like collaboration, where, you know, the cognition can arise through a dynamic interaction between me, the acting organism, and the environment I'm in. If that's a digital environment, if this is a group, if this is a, even an architectural space. And usually, our environment, the way we know it right now, is set up for a very linear kind of productive um, factor. You mentioned production a few times. What are other words, or maybe you want to rant off the inactive environment bit that, that you took away from the Design Science Studio? I think the primary word or concept is what Nicholas talks a lot about, which is ontological design and almost ontological environments, or some people are, are meta, M-E-T-A, a meta environment, or mm -hmm. um, it's, it just, it feels like I want to say a co-creative environment. And when I say co-creative environment, I use the word co-creative in the context of interconnection interdependence in the way that you were talking about early in, in, in realizing which COVID is helping to do and all that, that we're all interconnected, that we all share the same being, whether you kind of believe in God or not, or, or religions, it's still possible to have an inkling or a suspicion or belief or a reality that we're all sharing something in a sense. Maybe it's for some people, the biosphere of the planet, for some people's consciousness itself, but whatever that thing is <laughs> that we're all sharing, it's us, right? Like it is us and it is interconnected and it, it's made of feedbacks and immersion. And if that's what is actually kind of happening or the, the scientific state of affairs, then why wouldn't we create our homes and our places of creation and our cities, et cetera, et cetera, with the same knowing and the same care and the same art, art, art artistry, you know, and that's the kind of experience I want to have. And it's the kind of experiences I want to help co-facilitate with other people so that there really is no separation between the home place in the workplace or, or 
and all these distinctions that are not really, I don't believe they're serving us as a species or as evolutionary beings. So um, it's not my forte, um, like space, so to say, or, or architecture in that way. Um, so I may not be the, the best answer, but I just wanna, I wanna live in a fun, ad adventurous, mysterious, exciting world, planet, realm, where the object isn't to win. The object is, as the infinite game says, is to continue playing the game. <laughs> the object isn't to win at someone else's expense of losing. The object is to have a great life and a great time and to explore mm -hmm. the mysteries of existence and myself and, and somehow do that in a way where everyone can do that without hurting each other. And I think there's ways to do that personally. And I think that's where we want to have this immersive, interactive, what it really all means to me is co-creative. It means no one is really really left out and it's it's a win it's an all win it's some kind of all win scenario and because we recognize the interconnection like you were saying we have a fundamentally different way of going up out into the world because we have a different fundamental set of assumptions about our existential existence and our ontological being it it all kind of feels like it still starts from there and then yeah the products of that are going to look quite different and i feel like the evolutionary crowd and new everything we're all up to in this decade is going to if i was going to be considered a visionary or a prognosticator or a futurist like a ray kurzweil or whatever i would say you know in 2030 we're living in a world that looks something like togetherland not because i'm right but because i feel like that's where the universe is is wanting to take to take us and we are the universe so it's up to yeah, us I, lo I love your little it's how thurman said don't there. ask what the world <laughs> needs don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive, because what the world needs is more people that have come alive. So Boom. no, we're not, none of us are trying to fix or save anything. We're trying to create the world we want to live in. It's actually quite simple. Exactly, exactly. As more people come alive and their individual and unique expression becomes alive, this is what shapes the world. And I think coming back to this phrase you shared a few times, ontological design is really the, the design for states of being. So when we design for those states of being, more people can come alive more frequently, more regularly, or maybe mm. permanently, right? And it's a great note to close it on because really when um, Buckminster Fuller started the design science revolution, he started it with this idea that we need to move from weaponry to livingry. And that's really what you just said, that ultimately, how can we live in a world where we we let go of the weaponry and the competition as our primary way of being into a primary way of being that allows livingry and becoming um, yeah ex becoming a full expression of one's own of one's own being uh, in in the livingry of planet earth right on let's let's leave it there the living let's leave it there earth. may this prayer be heard may you be listening um and, and as you're listening make sure to check out the science science studio you can put into google or follow the link in the show notes and see if this is something for you to continue your artistic expression your creative expression maybe your you know concept architecture and um all of the above because really what we need as brett said is more people coming alive and uh, this is the invitation standing in all of these episodes of the design science studio series is for you to partake this is a decade-long program and starting i believe every end of summer in the northern hemisphere so uh go check it out right on from the roaring 20s to the sewing 20s engage That's a wrap. Thanks for listening.
Here we are again. This is your host, Julian, and I hope you truly enjoyed this episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. Check out my Patreon, best way to support the podcast, myself and the mission, lots of exciting perks and ways to be engaged to receive more value. That being said, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe, review the show, share it with the people you love, and have yourself a stellar day. Thank you.